Blog Talk Radio. Sherry's Playhouse is proud to present Sherlock Holmes and Terror by Night Train. Great Britain is nearing the end of one of the greatest periods of economic growth in its history. With the rise of the middle class has come the rise of the criminal class. One man has the unique talents to stay one step ahead of the growing multitudes of scoundrels, thieves, and murderers. His name is Sherlock Holmes, and this is a case of the terror by night train. Our adventure starts in the heart of London, where a solitary man approaches a heavily guarded door. Let me pass. Oh, I'm sorry, sir, but Her Majesty specifically said that she wasn't to be bothered. Do you know who I am? Oh, I confess I do not, and I don't rightly care. The Queen specifically said that there was to be no visitor. This man is no mere visitor, but in fact, the most indispensable gentleman in Great Britain, and we expected his company sooner. Your, your Majesty! Get out of his way, you fool. We have much to discuss with the Minister of Information, and we have little time to do so. Your Majesty. Do not be cheeky, sir. We do not tolerate that, not even from you. You have much to discuss with us and very little time before we are expected at court. What tawdry adventures has our Mr. Holmes been up to? Your fascination with the consulting detective never ceases to amaze me, Your Majesty. This case begins on the Southampton to London train. It is the last train of the day, delivering its weary travellers. It is the last train of the day delivering its weary travellers through the dark of the evening to arrive in the gaslit streets of London just after midnight. Do not attempt to be poetic. We are not amused. Of course, Your Majesty. I will attempt to deliver a more straightforward report, but it is based on Dr. Watson's memoirs, and he does believe himself a proper wordsmith. And speaking of Dr. Watson... It is to the good fortune of those riding this train that Mr. Holmes and his able companion are aboard. Joining the famous detective Sherlock Holmes is the man who solved the famous murders in the Rue Morgue in Paris, Inspector C. Auguste Dupin. 
Together, along with Dr. John Watson and a cast of memorable characters, they will face theft, deception, and murder. Uh, uh, yes, yes. Uh, here we are. Expecting car. Nothing like a good cigar after a fine meal, eh, Holmes? I prefer a good pipe. Uh, quite, quite. Are you sure that you'd prefer the rear smoking car? Uh, the forward car would be much more convenient when we disembark. According to that fine old clock in the corner, it is just after 11. We should be in London in little more than an hour. This is exactly where I intended us to be. Welcome, gentlemen. I am Henriette Lapierre. Now, please sit wherever you wish. Would either of you desire a digestive? Uh, very good of you to ask. Um, I'll have a brandy. Cold champagne, I should think. It assists the digestion. Excellent. Well, great Scott. Would you look at that, Holmes? It would appear to be a diamond of some size. I say, good man, uh, name's Watson, and this is my companion, Holmes. Now, what can you tell us about this magnificent stone? Samuel Perlman, agent Samuel Perlman of the Pinkerton Detectives. Before you is the Hammersmith Diamond, property of the ladies Amelia and Cornelia Hammersmith, who you will find seated over there. I'm sure they can tell you more of its providence. 180 carats, give or take a carat or two. Uncut, flawless clarity grained, obviously from the Argyle Mine in Australia. Incredible! I happen to know that that stone weighs in in exactly 184 carats, and that it was indeed unearthed in an Australian mine. How could you have known all that? Have you read about it in the papers? I am an expert in many fields, the study of diamonds being among them. From the pale pinkish hue, I deduce the location, as one will only find such structural alteration in diamonds from half a dozen countries, with the Argyle mine producing the largest and most spectacular examples. As for the weight, I could have been more accurate if I had been allowed to hold the stone. There's some security you have there, old chap. What is that, anyway? A simple bell jar? Watson, the bell jar is solely for presentation purposes. The true security lies with Agent Perlman here, along with the Colt 45 revolver he carries under his right arm, the brass knuckles he carries in his left trouser pocket, and the throwing knife concealed in the boot of his right leg. How did you know? A simple observation, really. There is a... Slight extension of your right arm away from your body where the holster sits, and I simply deduced you are carrying the standard Pinkerton service weapon. Your left hand has been in your left pocket since our arrival, and the rounded protrusions of the brass knuckles are clearly visible pressed against the weave of the cloth. Finally, you lean to the left, uh, indicating a slight discomfort with the right boot, and again, as a Pinkerton detective in charge of such a rare stone, I would expect you to be fully armed. You're admiring our precious diamond. Oh, why, yes, of course. It is magnificent. It is from Australia. Our father had it on display in person to discovery in the Argyle Mine. 
We are finally bringing it home to our London estate. Is it safe to travel with such a valuable jewel? What, in the open and all that? Oh, we have every confidence in Agent Perlman. Besides, it is fully insured. Your drinks, gentlemen. Have you selected a table at which to sit? Oh, please. You two simply must sit with us. Oh, yes. Two such distinguished gentlemen as Holmes and Watson would do us much honor in joining us at our table. Take their drinks to our table, Henrietta. Holmes, are you certain that you wish to spend our remaining time in this smoking car? Indeed I am, Watson. Then would you care to explain to me the presence of so many women? All in good time. Don't you look where you are going. Uh, excuse me, Governor. Didn't mean to cause a tumble. What are you even doing here, you filthy boy? Do you not belong with the rest of the filthy coal shoveler and axe box cleaners in, in the locomotive? Uh, the chief engineer, see? He sent me to the baggage car to retrieve his book of times tables. Oh, and does this look like the baggage car to you, huh? Begging your pardon, then. Only passing through. We'll be gone air before you can say Bob's your uncle. Mr. Watson, Mr. Holmes, I'm so glad you could join us tonight. Ah, yes, quite. And you are? Come now, Mr. Watson. Surely you know who I am. Lady Phyllis Carstairs. 21st wealthiest heiress in England. And I see you're in the company of your secretary, Miss Jane Higgins, I presume. Very good, Mr. Holmes. <laughs> I see you've done your homework. It is a pleasure to meet you, sir. I've read all of Dr. Watson's remarkable accounts of your many adventures. I'm honoured by your patronage, by humble writings. Do not possess a modesty you do not possess, Watson. We both know full well that you positively delight in the adoration of young women such as Miss Higgins. Holmes, I'm a married man. I did not mean... I, I only... If your only knowledge of us comes from the overly romanticized writings of my fanciful colleague, then certain false assumptions might be made. However, Miss Higgins, I would warn you not to believe everything the good doctor publishes in the papers. His active imagination often colours the truth, perhaps a bit too brightly. Really, Mr. Holmes? Your reputation precedes you everywhere you go, even without the written record. This has been the most remarkable day. First Holmes drags me away from my beloved Mary to spend a fruitless day and part of an evening in Southampton, of all places, uh, on what seems to me to have been a wild goose chase. I do adore a good wild goose chase, assuming one does eventually catch the goose. The good detective has been deftly avoiding my inquiries as to the nature of said goose. But I think that the bird will soon break from cover. <laughs> one can only hope. 
to a party now. Augie? Oh, may I call you Augie? My my late husband had a cousin named Augie. What a force. You Americans are so fond of your, uh, how you say, uh, names of Nick. A nickname, Super Senor Dupont, a nickname. Welcome, welcome, and welcome. My name is Henriette Lapierre. May I get any of you uh, something to drink? Oh, Kentucky bourbon. On the rocks, lots of ice. And uh, for the two of you? Nothing for me, Nessie. No, grazie. I do require nothing more. Oui, as you prefer. Hey, would you look at the size of that rock? Oh, can you imagine wearing that monstrous thing on your ring finger? Oh, you wouldn't be able to lift your hand. It is a rather extraordinary stone. Diamond, is it one? Yes, sir. The Hammersmith Diamond. Over 180 carats and still uncut. Well, I can see that. Let me look a little closer. But one removes the glass enclosure. It is hard to get a good look through the vermiculae. Uh, Monsieur Dupont, Signor Rari, over here. Our hostess. Uh, shall we, Inspector? I shall examine the most peculiar stone later. Oh, my stars! Is that the great Sherlock Holmes? Oh, I can't believe he actually came. Your drink, madame. Why, thank you. You have me at a disadvantage, Miss... Uh, St. James. Laura St. James. I'm a reporter, reporter. for a... Well, writer at any rate. You were a secretary for the Brooklyn Times Herald, if I'm not much mistaken. You have recently been dismissed after 22 years of dutiful service. You have three children, all grown, and in addition to losing your position, you were recently divorced. You thought you'd start again, this time as a writer. With your modern means, you chose to search for adventure and a good story via a walking tour across England. And along the way, you discovered the society of women's suits. I see you found at least one good escapade, perhaps in connection with the society, and that you are now in the glow of selling your first story as a foreign correspondent for the New York Times. You sold the story only on consignment, but you're hoping that with another story or two, you will eventually be put on a foot. Breathtaking. Oh, you certainly live up to your impressive reputation. Now, you must simply tell me what gave me away. Allow me. Allow us. I am sure, Mr. Holmes, simply notice the white band of the skin around your ring, where a wedding ring must have resided for a summertime. I'm not sure how he deduced your gears of marriage. Most elegant Marriage of the working class, Madame. 
come in America. I know the average age of marriage for both men and women in all 45 states, as well as the countries of Europe and the Middle East. Yeah. It is, as I have said, the most permanent time. As with all your achievements, we can all obtain your pillows, charm bracelets, with a uh, tray, 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 um, all common birthstone. I would deduce that your oldest child was born in September, your middle child was born in February, and your youngest was born in July. I observe that as well. I was trying to show some restraint. choices of secretary or school teacher. Once I did used to a writer, it was an easy assumption that you must have some knowledge of newspapers, and with your obvious accent, I did use secretary for the Brooklyn Times Herald, the, the largest paper from the borough. However, did you know, though, that I recently sold a story to the New York Times? Your shoes, they are quite uh, new and more expensive than the rest of your costumes, suggesting that, Red uh, Simone, uh, you were paid for your labor. Uh, the New York Times, I believe, is the only American journalist who are paid for overseas stories on expeditione, um, um, how do you say, um, consignment. Enough. We certainly made the right choice in. What? What? What is heaven? Oh, who turned off the light? What's going wrong? No one panic. Now, I am sure it must be a fuse. Hey, who is that behind me? Uh, no! Find the conductor. Nobody move. Lady Carstairs, the lights, if you would be so kind. Oh. Oh. Oh, oh thank my goodness. goodness. Oh, oh, my goodness. Look at Agent Palman. He's been stabbed in the chest. There's a bloody knife lying beside him. Worse than that, where's our diamond? It's been stolen. No need to panic. It's all stagecraft, I'm afraid. 
see a retractable blade on this knife, and the supposed blood is uh, corn syrup, colored with tomato juice. Who would have done such a thing? Why, none other than the Society of Women Sleuths. You no doubt heard me correctly infer that Miss St. James is a member, which I deduced from her very presence here tonight at an event hosted by this organization. Well, that explains the presence of so many uh, females in what would usually be a male smoking bar. We are, Watson, in the midst of a sleuthing competition. Lady Carstairs, care to explain? <laughs> Certainly, Mr. Holmes. First, though, dear Interperman, I'm afraid Mr. Holmes has rather spoiled our fun. You may now rise. <clears throat> Gladly. When I pretended to be stabbed, I wanted everyone to hear my body hit the floor. I'm afraid I may have overdone it. <clears throat> oh, you poor man! Here, you must come join us at our table. You can have Mr. Holmes' seat while he solves the mystery. All right. Holmes, do you mind if I steal your chair? Be my guest. So, Holmes, if you knew it was all an act, why'd you go and ruin it? I have investigated real murder all too often during my long career. I simply have no stomach to see death impersonated. Then why did you agree to join us to our little charade? Why to match wits with the great Auguste Signor Dupin? You don't mean the Dupin? Uh, the sleuth who solved those grisly murders of the Rue Morgue in Paris? We, we, a pleasure to make your acquaintance. Uh, so, all this, the lights, the uh, attack, the missing diamond, this is all some sort of game? More of a competition than a game. Once a year, we gather two of the world's greatest detectives to match the wits against members of our fine society. The Society of Women Sleuths. Correct. Every year, we design a contest. We pick the setting of the crime or crimes to be solved, and who feels worthy of the challenge. This year, we have chosen the night train from Southampton to London, and we invited your Mr. Holmes. Inspector Dupin to match wits against our very own Madeline Rari. Buonasera. Holmes, I am surprised, to say the least. <laughs> you doubt my ability? I- I've just never known you to be interested in such frivolity. It is not an aspect of my personality to which I often give sway. I used to seek out games of all varieties, but sadly I always won. This was a unique opportunity to at least play a game against two most worthy opponents. And I suppose the thousand-pound purse had absolutely nothing to do with your presence here tonight. Nothing whatsoever. I see. our time, are we not? We will be in London in three quarters of an hour. And our diamond is still missing. Quite. 
Have no fear, dear sisters. Your precious jewels shall be returned to you just as soon as one of our three master sleuths can correctly deduce who stole the diamond and just where it is hidden. Knife in the back for his trouble. Now, granted, it was a fake knife, but what about the principle of the thing? Oh, will there be no justice? One must assume that whoever stole the diamond also attacked our dear agent. I agreed to go along with this little game on the condition that the diamond be will be returned. It would not look good to have it stolen under my watch. What? You're using the real Hammersmith diamond as your prop? We find that the stolen item is of real value. It brings out the best in our detectives. Well, Madame Hammersmith, uh, you have my word as a Parisian gentleman that your valuable diamond will be restored to you. If it was indeed the actual diamond that went missing. Mm-hmm. You got his authenticity. I only have a second to examine the item. I saw under dirty glass, but there, there was something false about the edges. The diamond is uncut. Our father wanted it to remain in all of its natural glory. Exactly. One of the edges I happened to inspect appeared first glance to have been uh, indeed cut, uh, carefully cut perhaps in proximity of the, the natural formation of this stone. I was uh, told we would be solving the mysterious disappearance of a real a diamond. Is this not Japan, so? I too have examined the diamond just before you arrived. I have an excellent eye for forgeries, and I can verify that the Hammersmith diamond was genuine. Then it was, as you say it is. My apologies. Uh, I only had a moment to glance at the stone. After all, enough stalling. Which of you three brilliant detectives know where the damnable thing is? This game is quickly becoming tiresome. Henrietta! Yes, uh, Agent Pellman. What might I bring you? Something cold. May I suggest the uh, champagne, then? Fine. Fine. So what next? Where do we go from here? We shall just be trained. No, that won't be necessary. It won't? The diamond, I am quite sure, is right in this room. Your champagne, sir. Set it on the table. What are you getting at, Holmes? What game are you playing? I think perhaps uh, that uh, it is you, monsieur, who is playing games. Ah, I see. We have never asked to see your identification. Please approve who you say you are. What? You think I had something to do with this? 
Tell them, Carstairs, that you instructed me to pretend to take a knife in the back during our, your little blackout. Tell them I had nothing else to do with this. I'm not saying a word. You expect me to make it easy for the three master slews. Perhaps it would be simpler for you to answer their questions. I will do no such thing. This champagne is warm and flat. Where is that French server? LaPierre, do you expect me to drink this swill? I, I beg your pardon, agent, but the bottle from which I poured sits in a large bucket of ice. You can plainly see it over there by the door. Are you arguing with me, you little twit? I know warm, flat champagne from cold, fresh champagne. And I'm telling you, I, I'm telling you, Help him! He's turning uh, purple! Uh, uh. <gasps> He's collapsed! Somebody call a doctor! I'm a doctor! Make some room, please. Sherlock. What is it, John? This man is dead. Mamma mia! Are you sure? This isn't another gag, is it, Carstairs? He, he, he really wasn't part of the mystery. He was telling the truth. His part was over. So, it's true, then? Oh, trust it, God really is. Dead, yes. I'm afraid that this time Agent Perlman really has been murdered. station in half an hour. I've already arranged for the station to be met by Chief Inspector Lestrade of Scotland Yard. Oh, dear. Oh, my. Why'd you do that? Calculated guess. I suspected that foul play, genuine foul play, might transpire. I fear my worst suspicions have been confirmed. Regardless, Miss Higgins is correct. We should inform the conductor and perhaps retire to another car. We must not touch the body or contaminate the mother scene. The door! It, it, it seems to be locked. Henrietta? We, oui, madame, allow me. It will, it will not budge. Here, let me help you. Uh, Holmes, we appear to be locked in. Perhaps the rear door? Oh, good idea. 
if we can essence the train, one of us could climb on top of the train and go get help. We? Oh, this door is locked as well. I'm afraid we really are locked in. Have no fear. Society of Women Sleuths to the rescue. Shall we pick the locks, your ladyship? Do you have your lock picks? In my grip. I don't understand. Why would Lady Carstairs' secretary have lock picks? It is a part of our training as sleuths. The society offers classes in lock picking, self defense, and handwriting analysis. Among other things, we pride ourselves in providing with women of all ages and backgrounds from all countries and creates all the skills they need to solve any crime. I'll get my grip. How about you, Mr. Holmes? According to Dr. Watson's accounts in The Strand, do you not also carry lockpicks with you at all times? Indubitably. Oh, let's see the guy in action then. Here we are. No, no, no. I insist you allow Mr. Holmes to pick the lock. I want to see the master at work. Don't be silly. I'll have that door open before Henrietta can pour another glass of champagne. Miss Higgins, I would not do that. Why? Do you not think it's suitable for a woman to pick a lock? Here, let me enlighten you on what the fair sex is capable of. Miss Higgins, I would not... appears to have been electrocuted. Impossibly. Inconceivable. Is there a pulse, Doctor? Can you find a pulse? I'm sorry. She's dead. saw the water and deduced the lock to be electrified. But I made my deduction too late to stop the young woman from stepping into the water and sticking a metal pick in the lock. You tried to stop her, Holmes. Well, I failed. I should have seen the truth the instant Agent Perlman was poisoned. I tell you again, I have been a monumental fool. Not as big a fool as I have been. Signora Riare. Whatever happened to your accent? How long have you known? When I first received the invitation for this contest and I read the name you gave your character, I knew then. 
I told you. Did I not protest that the great Sherlock Holmes would certainly decipher your little word puzzle? Ladyship, the only reason I'm here at all is because of the little word puzzle. Riare, Madeline, Riare. I instantly recognized it for an anagram. An anagram. A word or phrase formed by rearranging the letters of another word or phrase. Yes, Watson. The letters M-A-D-E-L-I-N-E-R, I-A-R-E, are easily rearranged to reveal the true identity of our third sleuth. I am confused. I am expert in anagrams and another word word puzzles. I can make no other sensible name from these letters. Because you do not know the name of the only woman to have bested Sherlock Holmes. Don't but, you mean the only person to have bested Sherlock Holmes? I don't see what my sex has to do with it. On rare occasions, I have been bested by men, but never by a woman. I find the female sex lacks the intelligence, the guile, the conviction for deception, except for one. You, you can't mean... Yes, Watson. The name Madeline Riare was formed by the simple rearranging of the letters contained in the phrase I am Irene Adler. So, Mr. Holmes, we meet again at last. It would appear so, Miss Adler. If you knew her real identity... Why accept the invitation? Certainly you knew that this woman was dangerous. (laughs) When have I ever balked at the possibility of danger, Watson? I accepted because I clearly remember the sting of being outsmarted by a woman. And I saw this as my chance to return the compliment, to repay the duplicitous Irene Adler. That, to me, was worth more than any amount of prize money. Mr. Holmes. I'm flattered you remember me. But I never suspected you capable of murder. You think Irene killed Mr. Pullman and my secretary? Mr. Holmes, I came here tonight to see you. I joined the society simply for the possibility of arranging a little playtime for us. I, too, have not forgotten our last game, and I, too, desire a rematch. You provide such delightful distraction. So killing me is your game, is it? Kill you, Mr. Holmes? I know the the champagne. Warm and flat. Mr. Perman's fatal mistake was to take my seat directly in front of my untouched flute of champagne. Marietta provided a fresh glass without removing my glass from the table. In his effrontery at being questioned, Mr. Perlman mistakenly drank from the champagne originally prepared for me, which, naturally, had grown warm and flat. That would mean it was your champagne which was poisoned. Elementary, my dear Watson. I was the intended victim. Oh, merci. I should have removed your glass when I served the agent. I am certainly to blame. 
Don't be ridiculous, young lady. You served all of us, and no one else was poisoned. Unless... Unless she was the one who put the poison in Holmes's glass in the first place. That would explain why she never removed the glass. She was hoping Mr. Holmes would eventually drink from it. Oh, Henrietta, you devil. We shall have to report you for this. But I did no such thing. I am innocent, I tell you. I am completely innocent. Then what was telling the truth? What motive would she have to poison Mr. Holmes? What motive do I have, Mr. Holmes? That is an excellent question. You say that you joined the Society of Women Sleuths for an opportunity to deceive me. Yet, am I to believe you have spent all these years simply waiting for a chance to make a fool of me once again? That you have no darker motive? None, Mr. Holmes. If you recall, I owe my freedom to you. It was you who allowed me to escape with the photograph that would ensure that the King of Bohemia would forever leave me unmolested and in peace. Then why all the deception? Why come here at all? If I were to be honest with myself, I would have to admit that I came here tonight, that I allowed myself to be convinced to come here tonight, out of an unyielding desire just to simply see you again, Mr. Holmes to be in the same room with you one more time. But it was not I who wished to harm you, Mr. Holmes. That that desire belongs to another person. And would this person be the same one who is the creative genius behind tonight's contest? Creative genius? I don't understand. I devised this year's contest with considerable input from Miss St. James. The same Mariah St. James who so ardently urged me to pick the electrified lock. I think you will find that she is not who she says she is. Doors. 
time for me to say goodbye, I'm afraid. I have no intention of meeting Inspector Lestrade. Watson, are you all right? Uh, just uh, a blow to the head. Uh, she, I mean, he hit me in the dark. So it is true, then. You are a man. Not just any man. Marias and James is none other than James Moriarty. <gasps> but I thought he was dead. Mr. Watson wrote that he fell to his desert like next falls. Uh, good heavens, Holmes. Will we never be rid of the scoundrel? It appears the man simply refuses to die. You may remove your wig so the others can see you for who you really are. He was better as a woman. <laughs> you would not all about all the to die, my dear Hope, if you hadn't found the secret foot switch to turn off the lights. Perhaps it would have been you in place of poor oh, Henrietta. <laughs> so all of this was arranged in order to kill me. But of course. After I survived my plunk of the falls, I channeled my energy towards revenge. I devised a trap. Once I found the bait, that is. Bait? Have I been nothing more than bait to lure the great Sherlock Holmes? I knew he couldn't resist the chance to outwit Irene Adler, who Watson himself wrote that to Holmes she would always be the woman. How did you put it, Doctor? I can't recall. Then let me refresh your memory. In his eyes, she eclipses and predominates the whole of her sex. There was but one woman for him. And that woman was the late Irene Adler, of dubious and questionable memory. Something like that, I suppose. All except the last bit. I knew there was nothing dubious or questionable about the memory of Sherlock Holmes. Hmm. I knew he could remember her perfectly and could not resist the chance to meet with her once again in order to get his revenge for her grand deception of him the last time they met. So that is why, as a supposed American journalist, you sought me out, had me join the society, and had me use the name Madeleine Riare, all to ensnare Sherlock Holmes. Well, my... Plan work perfectly. Let us not forget the dialogue. You stole that as well, and if I am not mistaken. Very good, Inspector. Lady Casters, it would appear that your beloved contest now has a winner. No, but of course, the ice. <sighs> yes, the ice. I don't understand. Neither do I. It was the solution to the mystery. Mr. Perman was instructed to switch off the lights by means of a foot switch under the table holding the diamond. He then used his own knife to make it appear that he'd been stabbed. Mr. Holmes detected the presence of the knife hidden in the man's left boot, though he didn't deduce the presence of a retractable blade. I am not in doubt with Psychic abilities, Lady Custer. 
Wednesday nights without Miss uh, St. James, or should I say, Le Professor Mariotte, was instructed to take the diamond and place it in her glass of bourbon. Oh, I remember now. She asked for a lot of ice. How clever. I never before noticed how much Papa's diamond resembles an ice cube. May we assume that it was at your suggestion to play the role of thief? Of course. The only thing I enjoy more than trying to kill Sherlock Holmes is stealing bloody big diamonds. I have it with me now, and I'll be leaving with me just as soon as I dispose of you all. What? You plan to shoot all of us? <laughs> shoot you? Heavens no. After counting the bodies, Scotland Yard would have no trouble tracing the murder to me. What shall I say to my fictional female character? That would be too many loose ends. Better Lestrade and the other bumblers at the yard think sweet Moira died along with everyone else in this entire train in a great explosion. One more game, eh, Moriarty? Of course. You have three minutes to stop time. Find the bomb and disarm it, or this car, and much of the train that pulls it will be gone in a flash. I almost hope you succeed, Holmes. Then I will have the pleasure of killing you all over again. Goodbye, Arapadurchi. Oh, well. him out in the moonlight. He appears to be flying. Discuss, no. Not flying, floating. I agree, Dupin. It would appear that the rucksack that we had deduced was in use for Mariah said James' walking tour was actually a parachute Moriarty is now using to lift himself safely away from the train. Ingenious. Now he'll be able to float gently to the ground. Oh, when I get my hands on that man. First, I must discover disarm the bomb. It could be hidden anywhere. No, I, I don't think so. Moriarty likes to play games. He gave us three minutes and he gave us a clue. Hussein, uh, resolve. He says that we have to stop time. The clock! Do you see those wires coming out of the weights used to drive the pendulum? Ingenious! The brass tubes are usually filled with iron filings. But they are the perfect shape to conceal conceal sticks of dynamite. Yes. There are four tubes. Each is long enough to conceal two such sticks. That's eight sticks of explosives will be blown to Kingdom Come. Oh, Nelly! Oh, Amy, we are going to die, and we've lost Papa's diamond. The very infernal blathering, I must think. There must be a timing device. He indicates the precise times to detonation. He said three minutes. What time is it? 
three minutes from when you jumped on the place and the detonation at... Exactly midnight! <laughs> that, that's a half a minute! Maybe if we cut the wires. Yeah, let's just have it. This chaps could detonate the blasting caps. Perhaps if we stop the pendulum. Oh, that could also kill the detonator. Can we move the clock? Pass it from the back of this train. It's too large. And it's bolted to the wall and to the floor. We have to try something. Watson, why are you opening the upper door? To stop time. But the explosives are in the way, not in the face of the clock. I see what you're getting at, Watson. <laughs> brilliant, brilliant, Watson. One little bend and... Thank you all for remaining on the train. It'll be just a minute more while my man fetches the suspect. Here's as good a place to wait as any, now that the bomb has been disarmed. And the body's removed. Poor Henrietta. Poor Agent Perlman. Poor, poor Miss Higgins. So, so you say Moriarty is back, eh? Devious as ever. He would have killed us all. He destroyed much of the train. Rest assured, Scotland Yard will not rest until he's found. Our men are scouring the countryside as we speak. And I dare say the chances of Scotland Yard finding Moriarty are slim. Then you do not need to dare say anything. Thank goodness for the quick thinking of Dr. Watson. <laughs> The good doctor solved the final riddle. Not the final riddle. But yes, it was my indispensable companion, John Watson, here, who realized that the hour and minute hands of the clock, being made of metal, themselves could be wired in such a way that when they touched at the stroke of midnight, would complete the circuit, detonating the explosive. Uh, Once a long time ago, I served the 5th Northumberland Fusiliers. It was there I learned about explosives and detonators. I figured I couldn't possibly make matters any worse if I simply bent the two hands of the clock apart so that they wouldn't make... A remarkable deduction, Dr. Watson. We shall have to present this year's award to both you and Inspector Dupin. You both solve great mysteries tonight. <laughs> it appears that only the renowned Sherlock Holmes has been left out of the winner's circle. Getting a bit slow in your old age, eh, Sherlock? I assure you, Miss Adler, I'm at the peak of my abilities. There's one mystery that has been bothering me, Mr. Holmes, and that pertains to the ease of which Professor Moriarty fooled us all with his disguise. When did you first suspect that Moira St. James was, in fact, James Moriarty? 
I knew he was a man impersonating a woman almost at once. I have Ivy Handler to thank for that. Me? How did I assist you in identifying his fraud? All those years ago, when I so completely deceived was deceived by you dressing as a boy, I seemed to devote myself to the study of distinguishing male from female. We are, I too, am familiar with the line of study. And then you know, Inspector, that Moriarty was given away by the shape of his eyes. No amount of makeup and no prosthetic can hide the shape of a person's eyes. The eyes are the windows to the soul. Then the shape of the eyes are the windows to the soul. If you recognized Moriarty from the start... No, only I didn't recognize Moriarty. I thought him dead. I only saw before me a man impersonating a woman. I thought he was part of the contest, some character devised by Lady Carstairs. When did you first know that it was Moriarty back from the dead, as it were? When I realized that someone was trying to kill me and go into so much trouble in the attempt. Many people would like to see me dead, Lady Carstairs, but I only know of one nemesis who would go to such great lengths to achieve his goals. Ah, I see you were able to apprehend the cowboy of whom I earlier inquired. Yes, but after questioning him and searching the entire train, we have still found no trace of the Hammersmith Diamond. What is your name, child? Toby, your lordship. Toby Baggins. Do you admit to stealing the Hammersmith Diamond? Mm-hmm. I, I admit to no such thing. Why are you telling lies about Toby, eh, Governor? How could this boy steal the diamond? We saw Moriarty escape with it out this very door. He flew away with it like some horrible bird. Are you saying there's a chance he left it behind? Moriarty left nothing behind. At least not intentionally. He did escape, but soon will discover that his prize is nothing more than a chunk of carefully cut colored glass. I thought so. Did I not raise objections? Yes, yes, yes. I discounted those objections at the time, yet after Watson was so good to keep us all from death and dismemberment, I had a moment to think. You were right to object after all. I don't understand. It's elementary. When Dupin inspected the diamond, he remarked that he could not see it well through the vermaculet. If you knew French, my dear Watson, you would know that that translates to... Smudged glass. Precisely. And later, he objected he had only seen the diamond briefly and under dirty glass. Perhaps, Miss Adler, you are correct in your assertion that my powers of deduction are increasingly decreasing with advanced age. I should have known right from the moment the diamond had already been stolen. The cowboy. Toby, did you touch the glass bell jar that was covering the diamond? 
Perhaps when you lifted the jar to switch the diamond with a piece of shaped glass. I, 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 I might have brushed against it, your ladyship. Nothing more, I, I promise. If we are able to retrieve some of the glass fragments, perhaps I could find a fingerprint that I could match with this boy. Fingerprint? The idea that someone can be identified by the lines on their fingers. Rubbish, I say. No, you pays correct, Lestrade. The science of identifying culprits by their fingerprints is now common practice in many cities in the world. New York, for instance. The Americans? You dare compare Scotland Yard to them? The point is moot. The shards of glass from the shattered jar has been removed. Do you have any further proof for this boy's involvement? I suspect he was working with the server, Lapierre. The entire incident was too well staged. I should have deduced that foul play was afoot when his lad claimed he was just passing through on his way to the baggage car. But of course. Do not blame yourself, for we all were guilty of being Complete idiots. How could we have missed such an obvious faux pas? I don't understand. What did we miss? They missed the fact that the rare smoking car of this train is, in fact, the rare car. The last car in the line. There is no remaining cars where Toby could have gone. So where did you go to, Garçon? We saw you leave by the door, but not reappear to the cabin. Uh, I don't know what he's going on about, Captain. And he's a foreigner. And me being a natural-born citizen, don't I have me rights? I demand me rights! Do you have any proof, Dupin? Did you climb, like a little monkey, onto the summit of the train in order to scamper back to your coal mondon What's he saying? Watch how he speak the Queen's English, eh? Uh, like a little monkey, Dupin. An expression. I have some expertise in dealing with apes and monkeys. Those are the dwarfs. Well, that's all very well and good. He's in any made He's smudging on the glass container, and you've proven that he lied about passing through to another car. But you have yet to prove that he took the actual diamond. We still have not found it, and we've been searching everywhere. Everywhere? Come now, Lestrade. I can think of one obvious place you have not searched. Ah, yes. That would be most logical. Will someone please tell me where I can find a diamond? A diamond is, after all, nothing more than a chunk of coal. That has already been subjected to immense heat and pressure. I think, Lestrade, that if your men will be so good as to sift through the ashes in the furnace of the locomotive, they will find one piece of coal that has not burned at all. Are you saying... That's incredible. Boy, is this true? Did you throw the Hammersmith diamond into the furnace of the locomotive? 
I won't say nothing. I know me right. Son, Toby, you poor little lad. My sister and I would be most grateful to have our precious family heirloom returned to us safe and sound. We might even consider dropping any charges if you could assist the police investigation. <clears throat> hmm. Ladies, mightn't there be a reward, assuming I could set the authorities on straight and true, so to speak? A uh, reward? You would be willing to help us for a reward. You want a reward to find something which you... But of course, my young friend, of course there would be a reward. A most handsome reward worth many hundreds of pounds. Hmm. Well, all right, then. It was all Henrietta's idea. LaPierre came to me, he did, and he told me what to do. Threatened to get me the sack if I didn't see it through. And it all happened just as the tall man and funny aunt said it happened. So, yeah, I threw the stone in the old furnace, but it didn't burn, now, did it? Can't burn, see, being it's a diamond and all. I can get it back for you lickety-split. Just as clean as a whistle with some spit and shine. Offer no extra charge. That thing is a reward and all. Incredible. He actually threw a priceless diamond into a roaring fire. Oh, thank you, Toby. When our diamond is returned, we'll discuss your reward. You said no charges now. Don't you forget that. Oh, no charges. But an education, perhaps. Huh? What are you playing at? I'm thinking a good boarding school might be in order. It would cost hundreds of pounds, but we did promise the lad a reward. Boarding school? I never said nothing about going to no boarding school. (laughs) After he's had a bath, of course. But of course. Bath? Bath? I'm not taking no bath. No, you know, I'm not going to no school neither. Not for the likes of you. I want me reward, see? You two birds owe me gushing iron as I see it. As I see it, young squire, you can either go into the custody of the Hammersmith sisters or you can go into the custody of the yard. Now let's go retrieve the diamond from that ash box. Uh, let's not be hasty, Governor. What about me rights? Hey, uh, hey, let go of me here. All right, all right, all right, all ready. So, the first prize of the 1899 Society of Women's Sloops Mystery Contest must indeed go to one Mr. Sherlock Holmes of 221B Baker Street, London. Yeah, yeah. I should have known you would have outlived us all. It has been an honor and a pleasure working with you. I can never doubt you, Holmes. I should have known you'd solve the mystery. You always find a way to crack the case. Elementary, my dear Watson. Elementary. And that concludes another adventure, Your Highness. So the boy really did throw the diamond in the furnace? Yes, Your Majesty. As Holmes had deducted, the diamond was unharmed. And what of Moriarty? Oh, we are still looking for him, Your Majesty. However, our investigators believe he may have escaped overseas. 
he'll be hard-pressed to escape the reach of the British Empire. And the other players? What of them? Holmes and Dupin would never meet again, as the French inspector would soon be the source of another mystery, when he was murdered in cold blood. As for Irene Adler, her time as an amateur sleuth led her to pursue a career as a professional criminal investigator. Soon after her adventure on the night train, she opened the Adler Detection Agency. Thereafter, she became a regular visitor at 221B Baker Street and proved herself to be an invaluable partner in many other cases. Your brother, Michael, he never ceases to amaze me. Nor I, Your Majesty, nor I. He is a most unique individual. Now that his latest adventure is finished, I'd like to tell you of the mysterious happenings on Fleet Street. On Fleet Street? What in the world could be happening there? Mm, a series of murders, Your Highness, that we believe to be quite personal in nature. Fine, then, my cop. Tell me more about these murders on Fleet Street. And so concludes the case of the Terror by Night Train and another adventure of Mr. Sherlock Holmes. <laughs>